Thank you, Grace, for that introduction and for your leadership on the search committee. Uh, it's greatly appreciated and good getting to know you over the course of these past months. And it was great to uh, meet many of you over the course of this week on Zoom and uh, to have a chance to uh, get to know you a bit and, of course, a lot of conversation, a lot of questions. Uh, it sure was fun meeting with the, the youth. They had some good trivia-like questions that was uh, a lot of fun as well. And, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of questions. Um, window or aisle? Table or booth? Well, no, those weren't actually questions that they asked. But do you remember those kind of questions? It seems uh, like a lifetime ago when we were asked those kinds of questions when you were booking a flight or when you were going to a restaurant and they would ask you your uh, uh, preference for uh, seating, for, for sitting. And I could tell you that a window is a priority for me over the aisle because I like to look out uh, as opposed to uh, uh, getting a hasty retreat to the washroom that the aisle would, would afford. Priorities. Uh, everyone has them. Uh, even this uh, week, as you were thinking about your questions, you were working on your questions uh, based on a priority. Which one were you going to ask? Or if you were given enough space, you'd ask a second. Every generation uh, and people group have their priorities. There's a magazine, or rather a newspaper highlight. It's a newspaper uh, that I kept, a front page from the Toronto Star many years ago now, but I kept it because it was uh, intriguing to me. It, on the cover of the Toronto Star many years ago was this headline, The Game. Make money, look good, stay alive. Make money, look good, stay alive. Those uh, were the priorities of the gang uh, in Toronto or of the gangs in Toronto at the time. Now, I mean, closer to where we live, we have priorities as well. Uh, for some of you, it's your work, your job. Uh, it could be uh, the number of hours uh, of work. Uh, it could be uh, grades at school, your family, friends, sports, entertainment. Uh, every people group or culture, also ethnicity, have slightly different priorities as well. And noticeable, for example, when we think about uh, sports, hockey is a priority for some. Uh, lacrosse, cricket, uh, NFL football, college football. Now, it's interesting because those could also be preferences, and preferences can blend into priorities. So really priorities, I'm speaking about something more deep, a deeper uh, sense. Uh, Kimberly and I, a couple of years ago, went to visit missionary friends of ours in the Congo. And when we got there, we flew in-country further into uh, Congo into Niyoki, and on one day we took a boat ride on one of the rivers, the tributary of the Congo River. And after a while we had some food along, we decided to uh, dock at a uh, beach, uh, sort of edge of a beach of an island, and um, my friend and I began to prepare some food for us to eat. And while we were doing that, my friend's wife uh, decided to go for a swim. Now, she grew up there, and so she's very accustomed to the climate and so on. And uh, so she decided to uh, go for a swim. Well, it wasn't very long before some of the people that were living in another section of the island made their way over to see what we were doing. And they made their way over to the boat and talked to 
the driver of the boat. And so my friend noticed that and he walked over to the water's edge to have a conversation with them. And uh, he was speaking with them in Lingala or Chokwe. I don't recall exactly which one. Both of those are uh, local languages other than the trade language. And my friends uh, speak m many of those languages, Lingala and Chokwe included. And so the conversation began. And they said, your wife is a, a good swimmer, isn't she? Yes, uh, my friend said, she's a pretty good swimmer. And they said, so um, how long is she going to be uh, in the water? My friend said, oh, I don't know, not very long. Uh, and then they asked, how far out is she going to swim? And by now, my friend was picking up that there was something more to the line of questioning. He picked up that there was a sense of concern that they had. And so he asked, um, is it dangerous for her to be in the water? Now, one of the things you may not know is that the river that we were on uh, is very dark. Uh, it's like tea. Uh, an inch or two below the surface and you can't see your hand. In fact, if you stay in for a while and you come out, it will actually stain your skin or your bathing suit. So my friend asked, is it dangerous? And the gentlemen looked at each other and they kind of uh, nodded. Yeah, they felt like it was probably dangerous. And then my friend realized, ah, and he said, are there crocodiles? And they said, yes, there are crocodiles in this water. And then my friend said, have you seen any today and they looked at each other again and kind of shrugged their shoulders and indicating they weren't quite sure if they'd seen any today. So my friend turned to his wife in the water and uh, shouted for her, shouted her name and instinctively while she's in the water she turns and shouts back, what? Crocodiles? And within a few moments she was out of the water and back on the land with us. Priorities. The priorities of the people on that island and for the village that we were staying in. But their priority was respect. Respect for my friend. Respect for him and his wife. Relationship was their priority. Friendship. Even though they had never uh, seen us before, and most likely never seen white people before, certainly the children that were running around their legs had not seen uh, people that looked like us before. And yet, that was their priority, over the facts, of course. Now, I wonder, I'm pretty sure that if that would have been an exchange between uh, some Canadians, it would have sounded very different. It would most likely have been very direct. You need to tell your wife to get out of the water. It's dangerous. It's a totally different set of priorities. Sarah, excuse me, Sarah Lanier, has written a really helpful little book entitled Foreign to Familiar, where she identifies some of the differences in priority between warm climate culture and cold climate culture. But the thing about priorities is that they influence how we live our lives, how we organize our time, where we spend our money and our effort. Although priorities are something that we're not very cognizant of. They kind of develop organically in many ways. That is, until they are tested, until our priorities are contested and we have to make a decision. Then the priority comes to the surface. Should I play another video game, watch another show, or go to sleep? Should we cook, or should we 
order out? Overtime or family time? But here's the interesting thing, friends, is that our Lord has priorities. He also has priorities. Now, when you think of that, what comes to mind? And perhaps even a larger question is, if you know his priorities, how does that shape your priorities and mine? What is the Lord's priority? What is his one? Well, we want to go to see Jesus, and when we catch up with Jesus, he is walking uh, with the disciples in the countryside outside of Jerusalem. And he decides to go and visit a friend of his in the village of Bethany. And so he goes to visit his friend, but when he gets there, his friend is not home. We're not sure where he is, but he's not home. But his sister welcomes uh, Jesus into the house. And Jesus knows both sisters. In fact, all three of them are quite close. And we learn more about this family in John chapter 11 and 12. But the passage that we're going to look at this morning is most likely familiar to many of you if you have been regular churchgoers. And so what I want to invite you to do uh, this morning is to hit the reset button and to listen to this as though it was new and fresh to you. And I want to ask you, what do you notice? What do you notice? Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read, starting at verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Lord, don't you care? And if you do, don't you care that I'm doing all the work and my sister's just sitting there? And if you care, then why don't you tell her to help me? And we see this picture, this picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And I tell you, friends, that that would catch, immediately grab the attention of the first century hearers. They would recognize that picture. You see, Jesus was recognized as an authoritative teacher. He was considered to be a rabbi. And students sat at rabbi's feet. Male students, though. Male students sat at rabbi's feet. And here was a woman sitting in the place of a student at a rabbi's feet, entirely uh, counter-cultural, really shaking things up. But also, if you notice, it was a model and uh, uh, an expression of worship. An expression of worship as she was expressing humility, honoring the Lord, giving devotion to Him. While that was going on in the living room, Martha was be bopping in and out of uh, the kitchen, making preparations 
getting something to eat and drink ready for their important yet unexpected friend. Maybe tidying up a little bit as she went, as we sometimes do when guests arrive unexpected, friends or otherwise. Martha is wanting to serve Jesus. She seems very sincere in this. She wants to provide. Of course she does. It's wonderful. But she's also getting a bit frustrated. Because as she's serving the Lord, what she seems to, uh, what she deems to be the important aspect of, uh, of all of this, her sister is just sitting there uh, doing nothing. And so she starts to get upset. And a conflict starts to brew. And now emotions start getting heightened. And then Martha does what people have almost always done when their emotions are heightened and when something is amiss, when a conflict is brewing, Martha does what humans have done and continue to do even to this day. I mean, to this day. It's formally called uh, triangulation. What Martha does is she attempts to recruit Jesus to her side to fix Mary. She draws on Jesus, trying to recruit Jesus to her side, and, and together they're going to go and ask him to deal with Mary. She doesn't talk to Mary, she asks Jesus. So it would seem that uh, the sisters are about to get into it. And so in this part, we can see clearly they have their priorities. Martha's and Mary's priorities are clear. But Jesus also has a priority. He also has priorities. And we can hear that as we continue uh, reading from Luke chapter uh, 10. And I'm going to continue then at verse 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus recognizes this situation. And he acknowledges Martha's emotions and what's going on. And do you notice how Jesus responds? He calls Martha by her name. Martha. Martha. This is something that Jesus does often, regularly. Especially noticeable in Scripture when he repeats the name. A clue as to his concern and his compassion. Maybe you've done that when you've been with a friend. A friend who is maybe a little bit concerned or frazzled. And you've said, Sammy, Sammy, bring it in. Bring it in. Jesus also empathizes with Martha. He empathizes with her emotions. He gives voice to what's going on with Martha. He gives voice to her thoughts and her feelings. He doesn't dismiss them. He doesn't diminish them. And he doesn't demean Martha. He empathizes first. Empathy, friends, is an expression of love. Martha, Martha, I get it. You're, you're troubled. 
you're worried. Actually, Martha, I recognize that you have a lot of things on your mind. You're anxious beyond what is going on here. I know. I see. And then Jesus explains the eternal values, the eternal priorities. And when he does that, he reveals his heart. He opens his heart as he explains. And this too is such a familiar portrait. It is a portrait of Jesus present with these women. A smile, his arms outstretched. And whether they're outstretched to, to men, his disciples, outstretched to children, outstretched to teenagers and seniors. And it's as though uh, he is introducing an entirely different social way of being. He is introducing an entirely different social way of being. And he said there is one thing, and there it is. There is that one. He says there is one thing, and Mary has chosen the best part, the one that is the best, and that is presence. The Lord desires presence. And he says it will not be taken away because presence, the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. The Lord Jesus Christ, his priority is presence, our presence. The Lord did not come to be served, writes Mark in the Gospel of Mark 10, 45. He did not come to be, uh, he did not come to uh, be served, but to serve. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter later writes in 1 Peter 3.18 that he died for sins. Once for all. Once for all, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. What a beautiful picture that he might bring us to God. The Lord's priority, his priority is our presence, yours and mine. The prophet Isaiah speaking the words of the Lord to the people of Israel said, you're inscribed on the palms of my hands. His priority is presence, your presence, my presence with him. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the, what I call the strange, the surprise is that he is present with us. He is with us. He is dwelling among us. It's in his very name, as Isaiah 7, uh, 14, and as the gospel writer uh, uh, Matthew in 123, Emmanuel, God with us. It's who he is. He is God with us. And then Matthew, finishing out the gospel in 28:20, says, Jesus makes this promise. I will be with you. I am with you. Even to the end of this era, I am with you. I am with you. So then, given that the Lord desires our presence and that he is here undwelling among us, then this must mean that what he is revealing is an invitation to us. 
an invitation for us to choose to be present with him. The Lord has made his will and his priorities clear. It's as though the Holy Spirit is here with us in the place where you are watching this right now, here where we are with me and and Kimberly. It's as though the Holy Spirit is here right now and he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. Are Are you with me? Will you be with me? Gary. Gary. You can put your name there. I'd love to put your names there. Westview, I'm here. Are you with me? Will you be present with me? Friends, listen. What we do with Jesus is more important than what we do for him. What we do with the Lord is more important, takes a priority over what we do for him. It's with time, with time. That's the priority. And this sense of belonging that is dissonant right now because we don't have it as much. We don't have that sense of community, but that sense of belonging. You belong. We belong together. We belong in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And so the Lord is continuing to call regularly, daily. He's calling us, and he's calling by name. Again, Isaiah, don't fear, for I am with you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So could you imagine, now that we know what his priority is, could you imagine giving him the first fruits of your time? when you wake up in the morning and you give those first minutes to him. I mean, could you imagine what that is like? And friends, uh, it doesn't mean, uh, uh, you know, saying, oh, now I have to commit to an hour. It's consistency. It begins by a few minutes of consistency, of first fruits, time with him, with time with him. Especially when you are establishing a new or renewing this habit. And it is consoling to know that the Lord empathizes and he says, I know, I know. You missed a day. I know you're busy. I know you're distracted. I know you're anxious. But with time will be his priority. And friends, it doesn't end with those first few minutes in the day. Knowing that the Lord's priority is time with us and presence with us, then it is also an opportunity for us to tend to his presence wherever we go and whenever we go. Listen, friends, I need us to understand that we are not bringing the Lord when we go somewhere. We're not bringing him there to the hockey rink or to our job site or to the place where we work or go to school. We're not bringing him there. He is already there. Amen. 
He is already there. And so what we're doing when we go is we're tending to his presence. We are a witness to his presence. And when we are with someone and we are looking for and recognizing the presence of the Holy Spirit in the other person or in the place where we are. You know, the other day I was out at Canadian Tire. I was looking for some things for our house and I was reflecting on this. And so as I was going in between the aisles and noticing people, I just began to say to myself, presence, presence, your presence. Could you imagine tending to his presence? Friends, what I'm talking about are some basic, simple practices, the first fruits of your time, tending to his presence. And so maybe the practice of holy noticing, noticing with a holy purpose, presence. Presence is the greatest present of all. And you can take it with you. Amen and amen.